everybody. Welcome to another Kick-Ass Career Conversations with Louise. And I said I wasn't going to point, but she's somewhere next to me. <laughs> Louise and me. I'm Kim. And Shannon. Hey, Shannon. Hello. We are going to learn more about <laughs> Shannon in a little bit, but we want to get started like we do every week. What are we celebrating this week, friends? I'm celebrating um, this moment, this opportunity to reflect. Uh, Kim, you and I, we had a fantastic conversation earlier today just about the power of reflection and how uh, impactful it is and how like, that's the only way we learn um, and the only way we grow is when we pause for a moment and reflect. And so I'm, I'm celebrating that. I'm celebrating this opportunity uh, that we have together every week to pause and um, focus on those things that we're celebrating um, because that's all part of it too. It's not just about the things that don't go well and that we wanna change or do differently or do better, be our best selves. Um, but it's also about the things that went really well because we don't spend enough time on those things. Yeah, love that, love that. Yeah. Shannon, how about you? What are you celebrating this week? Uh, well, maybe it's an, an early celebration, but I fractured my hip about six weeks ago. So um, next week I go back for my recheck to see if I've got a whole piece of bone there <laughs> instead mm -hmm. of two. <laughs> and I'm really looking forward to that. It still hurts and it's probably still going to hurt for months, but it'll be nice to get past that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, recovery, right? And how we have to treat ourselves and be kind to our bodies as we're going through that. Um, yeah, it's an, an interesting experience to have something in your life change rather dramatically over a short period of time that requires you to keep up, so to speak. But when that keeping up is about slowing down, it feels strange. Mm -hmm. right your your hardest work is in downshifting and yeah. that is just such an interesting thing for western society to kind of grab onto yeah so yeah it is it's been a good exercise in a an odd way <laughs> yeah. yeah i chronic pain is no joke that's the truth. Yep. It is it is no joke. Um I am celebrating technology. And that is not something I generally celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> I am how I am celebrating. I'm celebrating that technology allows us to do things that in my lifetime, earlier in my lifetime, I never would have thought was possible. Um and so I am really grateful for what technology has allowed us and for allowed us to do and for learning how, continuing to learn how to ethically and responsibly utilize the technologies that are there and when it's okay to say no, thank you to certain technologies. Um, you know, it's, it's much like we were having a conversation before we started recording, um, about relationships outside of human to human relationships and that relationship to technology and that relationship to all of these things that are happening 
instead of just allowing them to continue to happen to us and around us, actually being in relationship with them, I think is something to be celebrated um, because it does then allow us to create in an intentional way versus just being like, well, everything's taking over. It could, but we don't have to let it. <laughs> so that's my celebration today. I love that, right? It's about being in the driver's seat, right? And 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 building those relationships with whatever, whoever, uh, in a way that feels really uh, in, integrous to who you are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Shannon, should we let the world know about you just a little bit? I know you shared with us your, your um, bio, um, so I'd love to share that with the world. So um, I love how you started this. The 2023 version of Shannon is practicing ah. compassion, kindness, and mistakes while creating art and photograph and photographing stories about the most beloved beings. She sometimes wets her pants when she laughs. Amen. Mm. I get it. Me too. And cries nearly every day. Yep. Sometimes at the same time, 100%. Yep. And all that is manageable because she works <laughs> at home. Yay. <laughs> Shannon no lives cubicles. in place. Absolutely. <laughs> Shannon lives in place in the Pacific Northwest of the United States and is, we are so glad that you are here and we can't wait to share the rest of your story um, in today's broadcast. I'm so yeah. glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. I'll try not to wet my pants during the conversation. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but I can't make any promises. <laughs> so Shannon, tell tell us a little bit more about like, this isn't an everyday profession. Um, in fact, I don't know if I've ever come across uh, someone that uh, shares your beliefs and, and what you're putting out into the world. Uh, your website is absolutely beautiful, by the way. Um, and, and so can you share with us a little bit about your career journey? Like, how did you end up here doing this thing that uh, makes you wet your pants every day? <laughs> well, that is a really long story. Um, I'll give you the short version. Before I started doing art full-time, I worked in emergency management. So I was, I, I have a master's degree in that field. I was doing really well in my career. And emergency management is, um, those are the people that respond to and coordinate things when really terrible stuff happens. So natural disasters, technological disasters, those kinds of things. And I loved that career. I mean, it's so exciting because there are so many different types of professionals that need to come together to do that work. You have people in agriculture and people in medicine and people in education, and um, they all have to share information and collaborate. And I find that so incredibly exciting. And it is a really chronically stressful environment because the deal is you're always waiting for the bottom to drop out of things. You're always waiting for the worst possible thing to happen. And that's what you prepare for every day. There are no sunny moments in it. Um, but I loved that part of it too. And so I was working away in it and I got really, really sick. My doctor said at some point, uh, she said, Shannon, this, I don't want to tell you that your job is going to kill you, but it's not compatible with your health. And so 
you have something to think about here. You're already, best case scenario, your recovery is like three to five years for what I was experiencing at the time. And do you do you want to have that be three to five years or do you want to try to go back to this job that you really like and be sick forever? And um, I thought about that for a long time because there was a lot of identity wrapped up in the job. You know, I was the job, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And um, I decided between that and another factor that I, I have a young person who at the time had just recently been diagnosed with epilepsy and was requiring a really high level of care, I thought maybe this is a good time for me to just stay home for a little while and I'll recover and then I'll go back. And that was in 2016. And I haven't been back. Um, and I don't, I don't miss most of it. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still really enjoy the work. Um, I get excited talking about it, but this, I think, as as odd as it seems to people that have known me for a long time, this art stuff suits me better. So I'm glad to be doing it. It was just one of those things that I was. I was home and I was looking for stuff that I could do. And I had been a photographer for a long time, but it was, um, even though I had the business and I was paying taxes, it was on the side and it was more like a very expensive hobby, right? Than a real business. <laughs> it's a hobby that I paid taxes on. Um, so I thought, well, you know, I'm here. I might as well make a go of this. And that just sort of morphed into other things because I would meet people that would say, oh, I wish I had known you or I wish I'd met you six months ago. And now that's someone that I loved that I would have loved for you to photograph has died. And so that's when I started teaching myself how to make other kinds of art. So I do painting and things like paper collage and stuff. And I teach classes every week. And um, yeah, it's just been a, it's been an interesting collection of felicities and happenstance. It's beautiful. You know, oftentimes uh, the people that we talk to, that I talk to, um, we get to a place where, right, we've, we've sunk so much of our time, our energy, our money um, into education and training. And, and, and that gets really sticky. It gets really hard to say, I'm leaving this behind to do something yeah. different. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you feel yeah. like you've made this investment. And I had people tell me you're wasting all of the years that you've invested in the career letter business, which is gross. Yeah don't want to be involved yeah. in that, but that I, you have, you have a graduate degree in this field specifically, and it's not yeah. one that's highly transferable. You know, it's a bit like studying Russian literature. That's what you can do with that degree. Mm -hmm. It doesn't open other doors. <laughs> yeah. But you're following a, you're following, sorry. <laughs> you're following a path like you're following your heart like you you love yeah. what you did right and so you identify with that too so i'm really curious like especially around our our theme today in our episode like was there like a feeling of failure that came attached with leaving <laughs> all of that behind yeah it was and it wasn't 
it wasn't just in me. So I'm, um, I'm hard on myself, like a lot of people are. And I typically think of myself as my, my harshest critic. At this time, though, I had also a lot of people, it felt like they were coming after me. Like, what? okay, so you're, you're taking this time off to regroup, but you're coming back, right? You're coming back. Because if you didn't come back, that would be awful. What a waste. We need you in this professional community. Pressure, 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 pressure. You're going to do art? Are you kidding? What is that? What's happened to you? It was a lot of that. And I know that people meant really well. And it was supposed to be motivational, like tough love. But um, to me, tough love isn't, it's, it's just tough. And it's nasty. And it's not loving. There are much kinder ways to go about supporting somebody. Um, but yeah, that, that was hard because I felt like I was disappointing myself. I was losing all kinds of money. I was sick. So my abilities to do things were limited anyway. And I was already down on myself for not being the person that I had been. So I had the identity crisis of the job, but also the identity crisis of what was happening in my body and what limitations I had at the short term and what that would look like in the longer term. And I just didn't know a lot of things. There was so much uncertainty. So it was, it was hard. There was a lot of crying and just general unease with where I was in the world. We get through that stuff though. We, we figure out ways and I, specifically holding a camera in my hands is one of the things that really helped me because when I do that, I stop thinking in the way that humans think of as thinking. I wasn't thinking about thinking. I wasn't thinking about myself. With a camera, I go into curious mode and I'm just looking for what's, what's interesting to me today. What do I want to learn more about? Oh, look at this. This part looks broken. Let's investigate that. Or looking for ways to not make things beautiful, but to show that they are beautiful when they're conventionally overlooked. That was the stuff that really helped me. And it's a, a key part of how I work as a photographer and as an artist, because there are just so many things that we pass by and we overlook and we rush through them. And then later we realize that was meaningful and I kind of blew right through it and I missed an opportunity there. So the, the camera time just helps me so much in that way. And it was one of the big reasons that I was able to get through that transition. It's so interesting because uh, we had a conversation not long ago about play, about creating transformation through play. And what you said took me right back to that conversation because mm -hmm. it, it, it isn't about thinking. And yet so often we try and force ourselves to think our way through a situation versus just being and 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 being our way through that situation, picking up the camera. And, and, and as a photographer myself, I can understand that feeling of like, you're just 
yes, observing and yet connect, fully connecting with mm -hmm. the world in a very different way than you are when you're trying to make sense of it. Yeah, there's a there's a difference between trying to reason things out and accepting them as they are and allowing what is there to unfold and show itself to you. And that is a I do get kind of lost with a camera in the best way that I just sort of it's not like I lose myself. I think it's me getting to who I really am instead of what I anticipate someone else's expectations might be because it becomes really about what what am I feeling now? And you talked about connection. And I think that's one of the misunderstood things about photography is that um, I've been accused many times of wanting to divorce myself from situations by holding a camera. Like you're, you're photographing this so you don't have to be a part of it, right? And my response to that is, by photographing this, I am more intimately a part of it than almost everyone here. Because I have to be, if I'm not connected with what's going on and who is involved in what's going on, then I am, these photographs are going to look fractured. Like there's something missing from them. You'll look at them and you'll say, oh, that's nice. But I, I create stuff where you look at it and you feel things. And that's what it's about. It's about making that connection. And there's, there's such intimacy in witnessing someone as they are in that particular moment or across several moments and having the, um, having the blessing to do that from them, but also being open to actually doing the witnessing yourself instead of thinking, well, you know, I wish they'd move just a little bit over this way, or can you come over here and hold this? Or can you sit here? The, the lighting is not right. You have to move. It's not like that. It's paying attention to life and what's happening in it. And then finding the ways to represent that, that are, are honest and lovely because so many things are lovely and they're the honest ones, right? Yeah. We for, we forget to pay attention, right? Yeah. We get so busy doing stuff. We we forget to pay attention to what our body needs, what our soul needs, uh what feeds us, um and we just keep keep just plugging away. Um and I just I I see that happen so often, especially around work and the things we do mm -hmm. for work. Um, because we do, we, we have those, our guardrails aren't our values and our beliefs. They are other people's expectations, right? And then we're off on some other road trip, uh, not ours. Uh, and so when we can get back to that, we do have to pause. Your pause was a forced pause, mm -hmm. right? To say, hey, this isn't this isn't really meant for me anymore. And that's okay. You, you did something that was beautiful and helpful and changed the world. And you still get to do that. You still get to go into something that now is more aligned and, and on your path. Um, and you're still doing the same things, right? You're still changing the way the world sees the world. Um, so I think that's beautiful. But we do get 
off on if we're not paying attention, we get off on some other some other route. Yeah. And when someone else is driving the car, usually you have to eat their snacks too. And they're not usually the best snacks. And <laughs> oh, no. snacks that, are super no, no. important uh-huh. to me. No. So <laughs> I want to be able to, I want to set the playlist. I want to have my own snacks. I want to be in my own vehicle. So I'm super comfortable. I want to get to decide when we stop to pee. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's when you're riding with somebody else, it's, you can't do those things. Yeah, no, and you, see, that's not you don't, me. <laughs> you don't realize it makes that much of a difference until you're stuck on a four-day road trip and you think, huh, I, maybe I didn't maybe I didn't consider all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see I used that used to be the like I grew up with road trips like that, right? I grew yeah. up where it was, you know, the, it it's the driver's way or the highway. Yeah. Quite literally, I suppose, but it that is not I plan the road trips. I don't drive. I don't drive. My I love my husband. He drives all the way because I don't love driving on highways. Now, if we're backcountry roads, I am happy to do it. But the highway part, he drives the whole way. I choose the playlist or I pick it with our daughter. I pick the snacks and make sure there's something for everybody, but also make sure there's something for myself. Yes. When we have to stop, like, so, but that's the communication and that's mm-hmm. the connection. It's It's sitting there and saying, we have created an ecosystem within this environment, this car, and we're going somewhere together. So how do we create that opportunity to do it together versus that it's the driver's way or the highway? Yes. Yeah. I love this. I love this metaphor. I talk about it all the time. Road trips, yeah. Um, road trips and 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 how we get on autopilot a lot. We think we're in control, right? We are. I like uh, throughout my corporate career, I felt like I was in control of things and I was mm-hmm. in the driver's seat um, and I didn't realize like who my passengers were. Right. And, and there's nothing wrong with like when you, when you come off autopilot and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Uh, I'm not really sure. Like, could I have caused like 18 accidents on my way? Because I really wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Um, but I get to a place or I got to a place anyways, where I was like, whoa, you're not my passenger anymore. Like, get the hell out of the car. I'm going a different way. Um, and, and we don't do that. We think we're, we're, we're married to this passenger mm-hmm. um, that we, that we've probably picked up along the way, some hitchhiker we've picked up along the way. And all of a sudden we're like, we feel like we have to go the distance. Yeah. Like, no, um, there are other passengers to pick up. There are other playlists to listen to. There are different snacks. There are all kinds of things that we miss out on when we feel like, like that's our only passenger, that, that that's the only direction and that's the only way to do it. Um, and, and it's, and it's not, um, I love your story that you took something that was already a part of your life, um, and have, have been able to amplify it into something that is even a bigger part of your life. Like that's a, that's a beautiful, um, that's a beautiful story Uh, because we, lots of times we think that's just a, that's just a thing, right? It's just a hobby or that's just a side gig or just a hustle uh, that I do. And I could, I can never make money. There are air quotes here. I could never make money being fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. I believe I've said that myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, there was a person 
who asked me, I remember this conversation so well, right down to where we were standing. Um, he had asked me when I was going to treat the business like a business. And I said, well, if I do that, then I'm not going to love it anymore. And so I had this idea in my head that when it becomes a business, then it's not about my enjoyment. When it becomes a business, it's about work. And I do not have that philosophy now. I only accept work when I feel really good about it. That I, I don't accept work from people that I don't know without first talking to them. And, and I present it as, this is your chance to interview me, to ask me anything that you want to ask me, because we are about to do some intimate stuff. And you need to feel really comfortable with that or else it's not going to work. And I also need to feel comfortable with you and like I can witness you in the way that you deserve to be witnessed. And if I don't think that I can do that, I will recommend someone that I'm sure could do better than I can because not everybody is going to fit together. Mm-hmm. And and so I, every week I turn people down because there's something that's just not right or um, because they have expectations that I don't want to make my expectations. There's just something that doesn't match up between us. And it has taken a lot of effort and uh, frustration talking about F words mm-hmm. <laughs> with some of the other F words mixed in to come to that realization that I am not for everybody. If I'm for 2% of people, I consider that to be a wild success. Mm-hmm. And 2% is really, really small. But I'm after, I'm after the weirdos. I am after the people that feel like um, the things that they believe or hold true are different and that they sometimes feel othered. Like they can't talk about things that are important to them because someone else is going to say, well, why are you talking about that? That's just not, don't, don't waste your time with that. Those are the people that I want to be with. Cause I feel like those are the people that need compassionate witness the most, mm-hmm. but also they're the, I, I am, I am that people. So <laughs> I get that. <laughs> So from leaving emergency management, right, into how you are now living very much, you've created a business on your terms, you've crafted the business that you want to craft. How has that word failure, right, that F word, how has your view of that changed? I, um, okay, so I want to tell you about my calculus teacher in high school. Cool. which seems like it's not connected at all. I'm a huge <laughs> math and science geek. So yes, I took calculus in high school. Um, his name is Mr. Wickland for anybody that is counting or knows him because I would love to say hi. Um, but calculus is hard, right? And calculus proofs are long and tedious. You can go through easily five pieces of paper doing one math problem. And so when we had tests, um, we had to come into school early. We had to get special permission to do that because we needed longer than 50 minutes 
to be able to work through one math problem. And Mr. Wickland was so awesome. The first time we had a test, everybody's really nervous about it because it's a test with one problem. You get it wrong or you get it right. Mm -hmm. uh, it, this is a room of kids that are feeling the pressure to get into the right colleges because uh, that's who takes calculus, right? Nobody does it recreationally. It, well, <laughs> I did. Um, but so he said, okay, so our first celebration of knowledge is coming up. And we were like, what? Yeah, we're going to have a celebration of knowledge. We don't have tests in this class. We have celebrations of knowledge. And we come in that day and he's got soft music playing. He's turned down the lights a little bit. So there's still plenty of light for you to be able to see, but it's not glaring overhead fluorescent light. Um, he's lowered the shades a little bit in the room so the sun isn't blaring in. He had a table full of snacks in the back of the room. And he said, I know that everybody here is going to be able to demonstrate what they know. And that's what we're here to celebrate. And you're going to make mistakes on the test. I'm going to get kind of teary about that. I've, I've not done that before. Um, he was just such a compassionate teacher. So we're here to celebrate the knowledge. We're also here to celebrate the mistakes. So I want you to feel good about those because you can do it the right way and you will do it the right way in a lot of the time. And when you don't do it the right way, that's when you're learning something. So if you go through this test and you miss, you don't prove the proof, right? Your proof doesn't work. That doesn't mean that you failed. It means that you've learned. And so my job as your teacher is to go through line by line in all of these pages of work that you're showing me and point out to you where you got it right and where you're going to learn something for the next time. So it wasn't a pass-fail situation for him. He very tediously went through every little thing and he pointed out this this here is great. You happen to get this right. And this here, this mistake that you made, this was a math error. It was arithmetic. It wasn't about your understanding of derivatives. It was, it was subtraction or it was division or something like that. And so he just, he very kindly pulled all of that stuff out for every one of us. And he met with us individually to talk through it because it's not the kind of thing that you can just put back on somebody's desk and say, here's how you did. And having someone like that invest in not just education, which is really hard to do in public school when you have a room full of kids, but to invest in who we were as people and to look at not potential for the sake of, oh, you guys are great and you're amazing and you're going to do all of this stuff if you just continue to work hard, but to say, you are going to make mistakes. You will fall on your face. You will get two pages into this and realize I've done something catastrophically wrong because this can't possibly be right. And then you have to decide what to do. You can go back through and figure out, do I want to start this again? Or do I want to keep going even though I feel like this isn't the right thing? And he always encouraged us to start over from the beginning because we were going to pick up different things that next time. 
So he would say, even if you're looking at the clock mm -hmm. and you realize there's no way I can finish this proof before our class ends, I cannot finish this proof before the test is over, go back and do it anyway, because I will be there looking at your work and I will be able to see what you did, what went wrong, perhaps guess at why you decided to start over and evaluate that. So, you know, just a math test, right? But what a powerful lesson. And that was 30 years ago, I guess. It's been a long time. Um, I still think about that every day. So when I'm working with families that are doing um, like behavioral or training stuff with their dogs, because I do that too sometimes, that I, I tell them. I even have a little art postcard that I pass out to people. You can either, um, you can get it right or you can learn something. And you don't always get to choose which one it is, but both of those are really good options. Mm -hmm. So I think that part is important. I've, I make a lot of mistakes. I do a lot of things where I just want to smack my head into something that's blunt. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was that why why did i do that why did i make that choice why did this happen the way that it did and you were talking in the beginning louise about reflection and it's such an important part of that because it it helps us my job is to witness other people and that helps me also witness myself because i think that's one of the most important things that we can do and to do that with compassion and to know that this 2023 version of me is very different than the 2020 version of me or the 2015 version of me who would have made very different choices in similar circumstances. And it's because I've worked through a lot of proofs that I've tried a lot of things that haven't worked and that I've realized, oh, that's, mm, no, I'm not getting that that I need to back up and start over. And um, it helps me to think of it that way. It brings to mind the conversation we were having earlier, Louise, about being the best that, right? Doing the best that you can at the moment. And so what I'm hearing Shannon you say is through reflection, through looking back and seeing kind of, kind of what he taught you is just let go, let's go, let's take a look. Let's take, just peek in here and see where things didn't turn out the way that you thought they were going to. So it even takes failure off the table. Right. And there were snacks. Well, well that, not, snacks. Not. snacks are very important. The snacks. snacks are really important. Yeah. <laughs> and then he trusted us. You know, normally in school, it's you sit down, you don't get up, um, you don't look around the room. He was very encouraging. If you need to get up and shake it off, if you need to go outside, go do that. If you need to stand at the back of the room and stare up at the ceiling, go do that. I trust you. And I know that you're going to get through this. And I know that you're doing everything you can to do the best that you can. Because I know that you want to do well. And I know that when you feel good, that you'll do well. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to give you the space where you feel good so that you can do as well as you can on any given day. What was his name again? 
Mr. Wickland. Okay, mm -hmm. Mr. Wickland, if you're listening or anybody who has had a teacher like Mr. Wickland, like this is what is being celebrated in the world. Yeah. Right? This. And there are lots of teachers. And unfortunately, lots of teachers like this are not being allowed to do what they do best, which is to teach our kids in a way that allows them to make mistakes. So we don't have to, 20, 30 years from now, have a conversation with them about failure because they know they're just making a mistake and they're learning something. Yep. Celebration of knowledge. Yeah. That's where it's at. Yeah. Ooh, beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's my golden nugget for today is really just that right? Like we do, let's take the F word off the table um, because that just feels so heavy. Um, and, and let's put in the celebration of knowledge and have an opportunity to actually do that, right? Mm -hmm. Have an opportunity to look at where things didn't go as expected um, and say, hey, you know what, next time I'm going to do this instead of that. Um, and, and, I wouldn't have even known there was a, a, a turn there uh, if I didn't reflect, if I didn't celebrate what I already knew. Um, I love that. Um, absolutely. Yeah. See, good things come from math, people. Do more math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and what I love there is, right, is, is so often people think of this as, well, you're either math or art. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. I know so many people that are both. They're very closely related. And all my life, I have been known as a deeply logical person, not connected with emotions. Um, that just wasn't my scene. I was uncomfortable with a lot of that. And then learning. I picked up a camera because I thought, well, this is the most science kind of art, right? Because it's mm -hmm. about physics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's about physics of light, <laughs> um, which I find fascinating. And the scientific part of it really helps me be able to create consistently the things that I want to be able to create. I know how to do things in the textbook kind of way. And I also know enough to know when it's time to experiment and play and look for a different way of doing things. But the, the art and the science and the math, they're all connected because it's, um, I think what can be missing from the scientific community is the acknowledgement of how much of a fuel creativity is and curiosity are, right? Curiosity is celebrated more, but curiosity and creativity have to exist together. They cannot be separated. They rely on each other, their partners. And so we think of scientists as being curious people, but we don't think about them as being creative. But the whole scientific method is play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's I oh, I have this I have this idea that maybe this is what is happening. I'm going to experiment, play with it to see what's really going on and then see where that takes me. And then I'm going to respond to it. And that is all very much like a creative process. And we, um, we want to keep those separate because they feel like 
they shouldn't be together, but they are. Scientists are almost always very good artists when they can bring in the emotional part of things. And artists are almost always very good scientists because they have to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the experimentation. Yeah. 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 And so I think for me, that's really because you had talked about it. You touched on it a little bit earlier about that, that curiosity about when you pick up the camera, right? You get to connect, you get to be curious, you get to play because you're disconnecting the Mm -hmm. logical part of it. Logic absolutely plays in. Like you said, you know exactly how to maneuver it to get what you want. And yet part of the experience is to remove the logic and just experiment and play. And so my golden nugget is like, how do we incorporate more of that so we can have these celebrations of knowledge, so we can have these opportunities for mistakes, so we can learn and continue to grow and develop. So Shannon, what's, what's your takeaway from our conversation today? I think that it is about community, that there's, you know, the rugged individual nature of Western culture, predominant Western culture anyway, is about gritting your teeth and bearing down and getting things done and not having to rely on anybody. And it's in conversations like this and in relationships that we have with our friends and noting that friendships are maybe even more important than like romantic partnerships because they're, they're more varied and, um, But being able to have conversations and to be vulnerable with people in safe ways and talk through things and have somebody to be a reflective partner with you, to witness you, those kinds of things I think are so important to who we are, to how we can celebrate our own knowledge just in the human experience and about who we are as people not necessarily about what we're doing, although that's important too, but like who who am I as an individual meat suit user? Mm-hmm. And um, what is that like? And how how do I fit in, not like the popular clicky fit in, but my place here in the world and in the community, what is that? look like. And I think we have to bump up against others to really sort out some of that stuff. We can't do it all by ourselves. And so the work that you're doing with this and having these conversations that are so much better than the conversations on many other podcasts where it's the zippy intro and, well, how are you crushing your goals this quarter? (laughs) And, you know, that kind of, eh, that's not for me. This stuff I really like. This is the the juicy, delicious part of life where people are being people and they're talking about what that's like and and what that means. And we need more of it. So I'm really glad that you're doing this. Thank you. And thank you so much for being a part of this. This is for having me. Absolutely. Where in the world can people find you if they want to learn about your corner of the world? Uh, well, I have a website that's slobberedlens.com. It's exactly, that's, that's what it is. Yes. Um, I giggle every time I see it. I, I just, well, 
I tell people it is a true story because when I started uh, photography so long ago, I lived with Great Danes. We had four Great Danes over 19 years. And there's a lot of slobber involved. And um, I noticed that people would freak out about just animal photography in general. People are a little squidgy about because it's a whole different animal, so to speak. Um, but like my equipment would regularly get assaulted. Somebody would come and blast a nose right into my lens or I'd get slobber wrapped around the barrel or things like that. And it was just part of the experience. So there you go. Um, but I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at the, the same thing. You'll find me there at Slobbered Lens. I'm not too hard to track down. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Louise, do you remember who we're talking to next week, who we found out has a connection to Shannon? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just think it's so fun. Uh, we're connecting next week with Hollis. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, you being a creative and what that looks like uh, fits so well into our conversation today um, and, and how we get to like, oh, I love these threads. We just get to keep pulling and pulling. Um, so I can't wait uh, next week. So please join us uh, chatting with Hollis uh, as well. Uh, such a small world. Yes. Um, and, and even smaller, uh, brought to us by technology. Thank you, Kim, for celebrating that. Uh, we get to use it uh, in all kinds of ways, um, and it brought us together. Uh, thank you, Shannon, so much for being here today. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure, and I appreciate you and what you're bringing into the world so much. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Thank you for having me. We will see everyone next week. Thank you for tuning in, and take care. Bye-bye. Great. Bye for now.